Listening to the Noise Canceling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. And welcome back, everyone, to the Noise Canceling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce, and this is Axel Clark. We're glad to be back with uh, less than nine months in between episodes. It feels pretty good. What's up with you, Axel? Was this only a week? I th- I think maybe by th- two weeks. I think by the time we post, it'll be two weeks. But still, yeah. but still, hashtag uh, goals. I feel like, yeah, that's a win. So, <laughs> all right. So for this week, we were talking, and we have a couple of new recipes that we want to share, and kind of how this came up. You you were uh, explaining some interesting things you were working on in the kitchen, and then I was explaining that. So I I think we've talked about it before, but I've kind of eating a low carb I've had a low carb approach for a while and I discovered that a bunch of people in my office are trying the keto diet and so they sent me some of the recipes and like I think when I started doing the low carb these types of recipes weren't out there Mm -hmm. so I've been it's been fun for me to kind of research some of these keto recipes now that people are more into it and find some some new ways of cooking things yeah absolutely and I know Katie and I have been on a very clean eating kick this whole spring, so we've been we've been experimenting with some like hardcore paleo <laughs> things okay. as well. So why don't you yeah. go ahead and kick it off with keto? All right, and well, I'll the, come a back. Couple, yeah. So the first thing about keto and paleo, I I was reading this article I'll post in the show notes about like the triage diet method, mm-hmm. and it just mentions that. So someone was asking this trainer, like, hey, I want to go on the keto diet. What do you think about that? And the trainer said, do you currently drink sodas? Do you eat fast and junk food? How often do you go to the gym? So there are probably some things that maybe you want to try first before you go on these more extreme diets. Mm-hmm. But uh, So that's just my first note. But if you want to give keto or paleo a shot, the next little note that I have, because I have often wondered, like, what is the difference between keto and paleo? So I have like a, I found an article and then I have like a little chart. So the main thing is like paleo is supposed to be how people ate, I don't know how long ago, but <laughs> many thousands of years of ago. Years ago. Yeah. yeah, so so that's the main concept of paleo. And it's supposed to be easier to digest because that's what we digested at that time. And then keto, the purpose of keto is to, the idea is when you're eating a bunch of carbs, your body is burning glucose as its primary energy source. But if you starve your body of carbs, then it will start, it takes a while, but it starts to like re-change how it burns energy or where it finds its energy. And it's more willing to burn fat as its primary energy source. So the keto thing, a lot of it is about reducing your carbs. So a couple things like for paleo and keto, both of them, you can eat animal protein, you can eat healthy fats and oils for both, no grains on either. Uh, here's the first difference. With paleo, you can eat fruit. With keto, you can't. Uh, for both of them, non-starchy ves- vegetables are a go. Uh, 
another difference with paleo, you can eat some starchy vegetables like pumpkin, squash, and yams, but not with keto. And then the other big difference is with paleo, no dairy, but with keto, you can eat dairy. So a couple of interesting find, little notes. I find that one to be the most interesting because I think, I think I can get pretty bought into that, bought into keto, and the mm-hmm. dairy part throws me off a little bit. Do you know the rationale behind that? So you think that, so the paleo thing is you should not eat dairy, and then the keto thing is that dairy is okay. Well, I would say like certainly cheese and butter are okay i'm not sure like skim milk because it's most like a lot of carbs that probably yeah. wouldn't be so i think the reason that it's okay with keto is just because of the macronutrient content it's generally speaking low in carbs and then higher in fat and protein gotcha yeah i, I can be on board for that i, I do love cheese yeah so <laughs> anyway an interesting rundown between the two uh either one's probably a good option and we'll help you improve your diet but so getting into the recipes so the first one i have is this uh it's a way to make almost like bread or like a flat bread Mm -hmm. but using keto so then it's called fathead dough and it's primarily like the first thing you would make it for is pizza yeah so it kind of rolls out into a piece of crust but you can also use it to make like burger buns. I brought in like a breakfast pizza into the office and people uh, dug it. So mm-hmm. the the main contents of this are mozzarella cheese, almond flour, and a little bit of cream cheese and an egg. Interesting. That's, the, that's what it is. Mostly mozzarella cheese. Gotcha. So you melt the cheese mix it all together flatten it out and then you cook it in the oven and it cu- turns into almost like a flatbread <laughs> it does sound it's delicious. kind of amazing yeah it's pretty good so i think that has been my biggest like find of here's a way that you can make something that tastes very similar to bread uh in a low carb way i was gonna say i feel like this is the first time in many years you've almost admitted to missing carbs is that yeah is that is that true well, I don't know if I missed them, but it's kind of an interesting changeup. All right, so do you want to go back and forth, or do you don't want to run through all of them? Uh, I can do my two. I two, I have a couple healthy recipes, and then I have a, a couple more indulgent recipes. Okay, uh, and then I want to fin- Hold finish up with my drinks. All right, let me get one more that's kind of that's very okay. similar. So the other one that's similar are these um, keto pancakes. So with the keto pancakes, the the contents are, I think this one is coconut flour. Maybe it's, I don't care if it's almond flour or coconut flour. But, and mostly cream cheese and then a lot of eggs. Interesting. And then it's, and then you can use like sugar-free syrup on it. Yeah. So, I'll let me check. So it's a half a cup of almond flour, four ounces of cream cheese, and four eggs. Okay. And they come out looking legit like pancakes. Mm-hmm. And I think they're pretty good. So two different options of kind of like the carby things, if that's what you're missing and you're trying yeah. keto, uh, a couple good, good options. Those are like in the safe cheat category, I feel like. Yeah. I like it. And they also, I think they probably fill you up more than the carb equivalent. Oh, I'm sure. So like, yeah. so, but it's kind of weird because you... 
your mind thinks that you shouldn't be full, but your stomach is like, no, I'm full, I'm good. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there that you have to get used to. Yeah, that is interesting. We've been cooking with a lot of different non-grain flours, um, like almonds or coconut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really is a lot, it's a lot denser is really the thing compared to conventional yeah. flour. So like like you said, you eat, you eat one <laughs> of the cookies made from almond or coconut flour. The, it's pretty dense. Yeah, exactly. All right, what yeah. do you got? So one of my healthy recipes, and this was one I was really surprised with, it's called nomato sauce. And so it's fake tomato sauce, but the main difference is that you use beets instead of tomatoes. Okay. And so I I was very skeptical. I was like, there's, there's no way you can replace tomato sauce with beets. And so the recipe is just you, you basically make a, a vegetable stew with carrots and celery, and beets and onions and mushrooms and with just a little bit of red wine vinegar and some seasoning and then blend it up and it is honestly as good especially if you have it seasoned right it's it's honestly Mm -hmm. as good as tomato sauce huh what's the what's the purpose of replacing the tomatoes do you know well for some people it's like a, a immune diet type rationale there's a a whole category of of um spices and vegetables called nightshades yeah and so some people do that to make sure that that's not causing inflammation but Mm -hmm. you know it it really especially if you're trying to cook healthy for your kids like it's such a good way to get tons and tons of vegetables and nutrients packed into you know something you can put over um you know you could put it on spaghetti noodles or we have a spiralizer so we'll we'll cut up zucchini and make zucchini noodles nice yeah so it's it's just super healthy very clean way of eating and then the other one that I have, and this was kind of a, a surprise, but we made, it was like a carrot slaw. Okay. Which was, I was skeptical with grated, <laughs> grated carrots and ginger and uh, green onions and honey and fresh squeezed lime juice and a little bit of olive oil and cilantro. And then you throw on some avocado, a couple strips yeah. of bacon, and then you wrap it oh, up wow. in lettuce. Yeah. Yeah, it es- escalates quickly. What, like chopped what's carrots. What's the yeah. what? Yeah, what's the like the acid? Is there some lime juice? Yeah, lime juice. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, so I'll post that recipe. That one's really good. Uh, okay, and su- honestly, pretty filling for it when you're just like chopped carrots and lettuce wraps, but you throw two strips of bacon and avocado yeah. in, and <clears throat> it's healthy and really, really good. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Ch- I definitely want to check those out. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to introduce some another thing that's probably maybe unique to keto. Mm-hmm. So in keto, your goal is to base is to eat like 60% fat, and sometimes that's hard to do. So people have come up with these things that o- people often call fat bombs, mm-hmm. and it's called a fat bomb because it's just basically like this little um, almost. Well, this thing I'm about to describe is like a Reese's peanut butter cup that's like mostly fat and no sugar. (laughs) So if you look on the internet, you'll find all kinds of these recipes of fat bombs of just different ways of combining like coconut oil and cocoa butter and all these things into these different, almost like many of them are like dessert treats. Mm -hmm. So the one I'm going to share, so this, these are easy peanut butter cups. And it has a half a cup of peanut butter, a quarter cup of just regular butter, 
three ounces of uh, cocoa butter chopped, and then, so that's like the peanut butter piece, and then there's a stuff called powdered swerve, it's like an artificial sweetener, mm-hmm. that's powdered, not uh, not like granular, yep. so a third a cup of that, vanilla extract, and then, so you just mix, you heat everything up, you mix those together, and you pour them into like a silicone cupcake holder or whatever yeah and then can there's only like halfway up so you let that cool and then you take four ounces of like the sugar-free very dark chocolate chocolate and you heat that up and then drizzle it onto the top and it turns it into like a reese's peanut butter cup that's they're pretty they're good yeah i just pulled up like four other fat bomb recipes and they all sound delicious yeah so what's the rationale behind that okay so the thing is if like this is where i wanted to like introduce the the concept of keto so that this would make sense so you're trying to reduce the number of carbs that your body is burning and you want to give it like lots of access to fat so that it starts burning fat as it's like it gets used to burning fat as its primary source Mm -hmm. so this thing is just basically a way for you instead of just like you don't want to just guzzle oil so this is a way for you to increase the the fat or oils that you intake interesting because it has butter cocoa butter like those are high in healthy fats sure so you, that's the concept behind these fat bombs is are there any long-term studies behind keto and ketosis i don't know i was looking because someone was asking me about cholesterol and like yeah. what is the impact but then i i've read it I mean, of course, you're you're gonna read like the whoever's cheering for keto is gonna sure. point to certain studies where cholesterol, like on these high fat diets, is usually it's the case that like your good cholesterol improves a lot, and then the bad cholesterol doesn't increase a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so the it's the theory is like the net effect is you're better off. Uh, so I think I don't know. There's I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of articles about what the long-term effects of this approach will be, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like fat is pretty good in general, but I, it's, it's also, you know, when you read something like you're reading the recipe for these fat bombs, it seems like a, a little bit maybe um, moderation seems like it might might come into play. Yeah, but the strange thing, if you want to go into ketosis, like you cannot do moderation. Because if you leave some carbs out there, then your body's going to be like, oh, no, I'm still going after these carbs. Sure. So, no, I mean, I, I, I get you. I'm not, see, like, I, I'm not sure. I, you can't mix, I don't think it's good a good idea to mix these fat bombs into, like, a regular American diet. Because when you mix it with a bunch of carbs, then it's just going to get stored as fat. Sure. So you probably ought to save it. If you, unless you're on some sort of low-carb thing, it's probably not... These aren't going to help you out unless you're otherwise on a low-carb diet or that's how you're eating. Although if you're looking for like a cheat day, I feel like some of these would be mind-blowing cheat day depending on what diet you're going on. Yeah, true. (laughs) I'm looking through these recipes that sound delicious. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, so what else do you... I think those those are all the ones I have. What else do you have out there? So I um, I have a couple other ones. The first one is my favorite breakfast recipe, and it it is by no no means healthy at all. But okay. it's, it's probably one of my favorite recipes 
that I've ever used for any kind of food, and it's called Waffles of Insane Greatness. Okay. I don't remember if I... I don't think I've ever recommended this, but we'll we'll post the, the recipe in the show notes. But it just has a couple, like, little tweaks that you don't see in any other recipe. It uses a quarter cup cornstarch in the waffle recipe, okay. which just, like, creates these really airy, crispy waffles that I, I haven't found replicated anywhere else. So that that's the secret ingredient behind that. And I think it's cream and butter <laughs> mm. are both in the recipe. So. <laughs> nice. So. You know, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I'd, I wanted to bounce off you is what's your go-to steak seasoning? Because I, I kind of want to break down, you know, what your ratios are compared to mine. So. I was, hold on. Let me so tee this up. So, so Axel and I went on a, a steak quest many years ago to find <clears throat> pretty much the best recipe for cooking. I, th- I feel like every cut of steak. And so I, I feel like we, we honed the way to cook that, but I feel like we've probably gone, we've probably detoured off what our previous seasonings were. So I'm, I'm curious to know what your go-to is now. Yeah. Well, I think we have to add that it, in addition to the different types of steaks, we also were trying to see, well, I guess, I think we had sushi the day before, and then we decided we we're going to cook these steaks. And I think we, at least this is how it came about in my mind. I was like, well, why don't I treat this steak like I treated the sushi? And so then we tried it as, I think we were calling it Euro Rare, which was basically just like a 30-second sear on each side. Yep. With still cold and, steak in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah still cold. I don't go that rare anymore, but I think it was nice to go to one extreme to say, like, this is, this is an extreme of how rare you could cook a steak. Yeah, well, and I think we found out that there's there's different levels for each kind of cut. Like you can, yes. you can live with a very rare, um, like a New York strip or a filet. But if you try to cook a ribeye, you're a rare, it's going to be a mess and you're not yes. going to enjoy it very much. You're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So tip for anyone, if you're, if you're the fattier the cut, I think the more you can cook it cause it's not going to dry it out. Yeah, exactly. The the more you want to give it a little bit of heat, at least through the center, so the texture is really nice and tender. Yeah, for sure. So, so my steak seasoning, I don't, I ne- I don't season it. I only use salt. Just salt. Yeah. Interesting. So but I I will say my favorite sauce that I add is maybe chimichurri sauce. Having yeah. like especially after I went to Argentina, that like there's all kinds of different sauces there. Mm-hmm. But I think I rarely. Either that, or I just lazily pick a like the pre-seasoned. I don't mix it myself. I just oh. get like a Montreal. Okay. But that's just if I have a crappy cut sure. and I want to add something to you it. Throw but a if I have, out. yeah. But if I have a nice steak, I only use just regular salt. Really? Not even pepper? Mm-hmm. No, not even pepper. Just straight salt. So I will agree that salt is by far the key ingredient, and. Usually I use about a three to one ratio of salt to other ingredients, yeah. but I do like to add a little bit of uh, chili powder and specifically ancho chili powder um, mm, just, nice to, one. just to give it a little bit of depth and then yeah. a little bit of garlic powder um, okay. and then black pepper, of course, on top. Yeah. And I usually, put, I usually put the black pepper because it helps 
get the outside a little bit crispier and caramelized. Mm. Yeah, it gives you a little texture and lets it sit off the grill a little bit more. What's the so? Do you typically barbecue your steaks? I do both. I, I still pan fry um, okay. sometimes, but I would say the majority of the time I'm barbecuing. Yeah, so I don't have a barbecue at my house. So my my first option was pan frying. But the thing that I do now all the time, and I granted I have a gas stove, so it's basically like a reverse barbecue, but I broil in my oven. Interesting. With the So that, like when you broil in a gas oven, it's basically like a barbecue, like the, <laughs> the thing upside yeah. down at the top. And so it works really well. That's and so it chars it even better than it, than you can in a, in like a steak or a cast iron skillet. Well, I'm sure, and you it probably does give you a lot better control too. That's really <laughs> that's quite the innovation. <laughs> yeah i I almost exclusively broil now, and I don't know how it would work in an electric oven, but in the gas oven, it's killer. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think the electric would. It would probably work, but it just wouldn't. It wouldn't have nearly the same level of flavor, so I will. Yeah. I will try that. That is a very good tip. Yeah, I think it only came about because I don't have a, a <laughs> barbecue out here on my, and I was like, "How can I cook this?" And I got tired of pan frying, and so yeah. then I don't know how I came up with the idea. Oh, probably because I was trying to. I also do it to broil uh, like Brussels sprouts and mm-hmm. different vegetables because if I want to do it fast, so you can put like a whole pan underneath there and just like five minutes on each side, and it's a done deal. Instead of having to like, if you bake them, it takes twenty five minutes. So innovations uh, of, of necessity or laziness are two of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. How fast can I possibly cook this? Well, I don't just put it on broil and see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to give that a shot. So the my last two, I wanted to talk about uh, two of the drinks that I've been. Uh, one I've been kind of developing this year, and uh, one. Uh, I've just been drinking this year. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, one of my one of my early goals from January, actually I think it was like November, um, one of my goals for this year was to master a homemade gin recipe. Okay. And so for those of you that don't know how gin is made, you usually start with some sort of neutral spirit like a, a vodka or anything similar to vodka really. You could you could do it with a rum, but m- most companies and, and most people do it with vodka or something that's maybe a little bit more, uh, a little bit less flavor than vodka. Um, and then you just put in the, your botanicals that you want the flavor to actually make. So it's really like a, it's kind of like a flavored vodka for the most part. But because really, I yeah. I did not even know yeah. that. Yeah, I actually didn't know how gin was made. Yeah, so they're starting with just like a clear grain alcohol. And then they're mm-hmm. adding, you know, juniper berries, <clears throat> and then, you know, either it's lemon peel, lemon zest. Some use grapefruit peel, lime peel, um, and then there's a couple other more specialty ingredients that they use in making gin. Um, one is angelica root. Um, okay. Which it just gives it. I, I feel like I'll make a recipe without it just to see what the difference is, but you know, per gin making instructions it it develops a more uh complex and um softer palate than just using the botanicals yeah okay and then the other thing that you can use is called grains of paradise um Mm. and it's another just kind of mellower it gives it a little bit of spice um and then i also use coriander and then 
Uh, I've done a couple recipes. I've done a recipe with red pepper, and I didn't I didn't like that as mm. much. And I also didn't really like. I did another recipe with grapefruit peels, and it was okay. just. I mean, <laughs> gin is already pretty bitter, and to add add grapefruit was uh, a little yeah. a little extreme. So, um, are you sipping this gin straight, or are you mixing with with stuff, or how how are you drinking the gin? Um. So one thing that I really like about making my own gin is how iterative it is. There's a lot of things like you make a beer, like whatever that beer comes out in a month is how that beer is going to taste. But when, you know, you're infusing this gin, you know, you can taste it every day if you want to. And I got a couple of my batches. I was like, Oh, it's done in four days. Like this is ready to go. And Mm so, I mean, you know, you can just take a little sip of it and say, Oh, this tastes like really good gin or this is not quite flavored enough it still tastes like vodka and so it's it's nice that you can actually experiment live with with the flavor and if you need to add you know more juniper you can add more juniper if you feel like it needs more spice you can add some coriander if it needs more citrus you can add more citrus throughout the whole process um but yeah i mean in terms of drinking i put a gin and tonic all the way okay yeah do you have to like mix it up every once in a while or you just put it in there and let it sit uh i usually put it in there and give it a couple turns top to bottom just to to get everything mixed up and then you know every day might flip it upside down okay yeah Hmm. so you you want it to move around a little bit yeah and it takes what like four days to two weeks so i would say depending on how much how liberal you get with the juniper berries you know, you could probably mm. have drinkable gin in two days. Okay. But yeah, I mean, uh, you, you right. can go anywhere from two days to two weeks, depending on how you like your your gin to be flavored. Yeah. All right. But I'll, I'll say after my second batch, I was like, this is better than, I would say, kind of like my normal rule, like probably better than 90% of all the gins that are, yeah. that are on the market. All right. Nice. So, that was fun. And then, how, so, qu- how, qu- how, how nice of a vodka are you, get, are you using? Oh, like ten dollars a bottle. Yeah, I'm taking okay. like really, right. che- really cheap vodka and making nice gin out of it. So I, I haven't really experimented with nicer vodka because because that might improve the flavor. But I, yeah. I've been pretty happy with with okay. with the inexpensive product so far. Yeah. Nice but, one. but that's okay. a good question. So I'll I'll post the recipe that I use, um, my favorite recipe so far, and okay. uh, if anybody would like to. <laughs> try to make their own gin they should go for it it's it's pretty low barrier of entry you can find all the ingredients on amazon and uh get a cheap bottle of vodka and you're ready to go <laughs> nice all right what and then what was the last thing you have so this other drink is one that um i adapted from a couple different drinks but it is i don't know i feel like it's changed my perspective on what is necessary in a bar and so it's mm-hmm. a spicy mezcal old-fashioned Okay. And so I don't know, have you had mezcal before? Yes. So it's like really smoky tequila mm-hmm. in in essence. So like if you're a person that doesn't like tequila or doesn't like sipping hard alcohol, this is definitely not going to be a drink for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess you can probably just turn off the podcast at this point if you want. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you start off with an ounce and a half of mezcal and, you know, whatever mezcal you have. But I, I prefer the smokier, the better. Then you do an, an ounce of tequila, then okay. half an ounce of triple sec, mm-hmm. then a teaspoon of agave nectar, 
um, whatever kind of agave like either I kind of like the dark um, but you can get whatever great agave nectar you want um, and then just a squeeze of lime juice and a lime peel or you can go oh, wow. or you can go orange peel yeah um, some, okay. sometimes I throw like a few orange bitters in and then for the spice you can throw in one slice of jalapeno or one slice of habanero mm. and shockingly after just a couple minutes, just with one slice of pepper, it, it gets decently spicy. Now, I mean, if you like really spicy things, you might go two slices. But for me, a single slice is quite sufficient. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now, are you making that yourself or are you ordering that at bars? No, that's just, that's all at my house. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been upgrading the bar this year substantially. That's what it sounds like. Nice. Yeah. One. All yeah. right. Sweet. So those are the those are my favorite recipes. Did you have any other to share? I don't think I have anyone any other ones out there. This is amazing. This is uh this is the first episode we've gone under thirty minutes in over two years. So Yeah. I'm, well I'm, I do I'm kinda happy yeah, about well, that. I agree. I think it's short and sweet. I, the only thing I, I do want to add one thing. I got a note from after our last podcast. So we have at least one legitimate listener. <laughs> so <laughs> So my my buddy Dave Miller said that uh, he listens to a lot of the same podcasts, and then he recommended another podcast called Very Bad Wizards, oh. and it is a guy who's a it's a philosopher, a guy who's like a professor in philosophy, and then a um, so I think it's a what is he sociologist maybe, yeah. So those guys like talk basically like on either side they talk either philosophy or sociology and it's pretty good they're pretty funny and their theme song is the best uh podcast intro i've ever heard really yeah so it's the the reason they're called very bad wizards is or wizard is because in the old uh dorothy from oz or whatever there's you know at the very end where they discover that the like the the wizard is just a dude in a machine yep and dorothy goes you're a very bad man (laughs) and the guy goes i'm not a very bad man i'm just a very bad wizard (laughs) so they take all the voices from that and they mix it into like a an electronic remix and that's the intro to their song it's sweet so we'll we'll play it for uh for part of our outro (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, a great, yeah, that's a great idea I'll have to pull it down because I, I just subscribe so I'm, I'm so, excited to listen to it that's all I had more. shout out to Dave Miller for sending a little note cool that's a good shout out and you know if anyone's listening and has ideas for future episodes suggestions uh, recipes that you want to share feel free to send it to noisecancelingpod at gmail.com we're always happy to talk about those on our next episode so with that I'm Frank Boyce and this is Axel Clark. Hey, go out and try one of those recipes. It's uh, a good way to have some fun and have a healthy meal. Have a good week, everyone.
hilarious that's the longest <laughs> intro of all time as well i know it was long but i liked it that's awesome cool